Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Getting people to be creative, take responsibility for their own and the group's learning and develop new ideas. It's a balancing act. One of the things that I often bang on about in organisations is the development of communities of practice, or COPs as they're known, as a tool for getting people to take responsibility for their own learning and developing creativity and innovation. Communities of practice are groups of people within an organisation who get together in order to develop their mutual understanding about an issue or topic and solve real-life problems. Ideally, a community of practice will be an informal network of individuals who are committed to developing their understanding in practice by sharing knowledge, research and feedback from the practical application of the shared knowledge. Over the years, I've set up a number of communities of practice in a range of organisations from universities through to banks, government departments, police departments and a range of industries, for example. Now, my particular experience has shown me that successful communities of practice tend to need seeding correctly and facilitated, at least in their initial stages, until the group can take over responsibility and run the group themselves, which is one of the aims of a COP. I've often wondered why some communities of practice are easier to get going than others, and why some groups will readily take control of their own community and self-organise in order to learn together, and other groups find it harder or almost impossible to manage their own communities and keep the learning going. In a paper published this month, January 2016, in the Journal of Business Strategy, researchers from two business schools in France have looked at this very problem and come up with some very interesting findings. The research, which was conducted in a large Western European airport, looked at a series of communities of practice involving over 130 mini middle managers. What I discovered was a story of autonomy and control. The point of a community of practice is to give its members autonomy in both running and managing the community, and as well as the direction and content of the topics it focuses on and explores. The intention being that the members of the community know best which topics have most currency and where their problems lie. Additionally, being in control of their own learning should increase the motivation of the members. Issues of autonomy. What the research discovered was that in terms of autonomy, community members have both positive and negative experiences of being in charge of their own group and what topics to focus on. On the positive side, the researchers found that when the community members are motivated and interested and are happy to be autonomous, then the experience is both positive, motivational and develops a cohesive group spirit. They also found that communities of practice were excellent at developing cross-functional thinking and practices under these conditions. On the other hand, they found that when a community contained some members who didn't really understand what the community of practice was there for, or who didn't know what they were talking about, or who weren't prepared to be open and honest, these members tended to have a negative impact on their more motivated colleagues. Additionally, when no one took an active role in managing the community, 
these less engaged individuals would not deliver their part in the learning or positively engage in the processes. Further, the involvement of such individuals often leads to the development of subgroups which, which, with only a small proportion of the community actually doing any work. This includes the work of thinking. Another issue that meant that the autonomy became a negative experience was when members of the community were not used to having any level of autonomy at work. Often these individuals would not engage without direction from someone who they considered to be senior to them. In effect, their lack of autonomy within the organisation had created a serious level of dependency or learned helplessness which transferred itself to the community of practice. The researchers found that particularly in hierarchical organisations that a significant number of people, when given autonomy to drive their own interests, would fail to do so and that they actually found it destabilising. This effect tended to become more exacerbated the longer the community operated. Many people reported that the level of autonomy given in a community of practice was unsettling and that they quickly lost their own landmarks. The last issue that the research discovered around the fact that they had autonomy was that it challenges their normal ways of working where a manager or supervisor would be driving and directing their work. There was a feeling of being exposed in case they said or wanted to examine something that they felt that their manager might not agree with. Conversely, the fact that the community members have control over the group and its direction as a self-organising team meant to some that they found additional interests and motivations that they hadn't realised were there. What the research quickly realised was that the community of practice members initially needed coaches in order to, for many people to be able to drive the direction of the community of practice. Once members felt comfortable with having this level of control, it has a positive effect on both the motivation and their practical work within the airport. In effect, the group was a catalyst in developing better working practices. The trick the researchers discovered was that the coaches needed to understand when to pull back, stop coaching and give full control to the community. When this wasn't done, it created frustrations to the community members. One of the biggest problems turned out to be control over output. For example, if the community came up with an idea for developing their working practices, the idea first had to be accepted by the management. Within the research sample, this became a serious problem, as managers who were not part of the communities of practice tended to be more risk-averse than the community members. As a result, ideas generated by the communities were frequently turned down by the managers. This one issue proved to be the most fatal to the continuance of communities of practice. The members of the community quickly started to realise that there were very clear limits on what they could and could not do. Unfortunately, the managers had not articulated these limitations before the community's management was set up. This became a serious demotivational issue. The researchers concluded by recommending that individuals are coached in the initial stages of the development of a community of practice, that the coaches are experienced enough to understand when to intervene and when not to get involved, that any limitations from the management perspective are explicitly articulated before the community of practice starts to develop ideas, and that the community of practice has specific strategic objectives. Communities of practice 
are excellent tools for developing groups to take responsibility for their own learning and practice development, and for creating creativity. They can be very powerful learning and work development instruments if handled correctly. A significant part of this is in the acculturation of group members to taking responsibility and control of their own learning. The second major issue is the preparation of the leadership and management for handling the outputs of the community of practice. It is vital that the management does not end up stifling the very tool which can bring real performance improvements, as well as gaining employee engagement in organisational development. You will find a link to the article and the references in the show notes for this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-review.com. And please, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. Mm-hmm.